Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host Stu and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. Tom's cat Ezio and Chris. Yeah. Hello. How are you guys doing? All good? Yeah, good. Good. Bit bit naughty of us to be recording a podcast um, during a bank holiday, but um, we live for the cause and it's what she would have wanted. So <laughs> here we are. I mean, we're releasing it on a different day, so... That's true, yeah, we are and, releasing and it tomorrow. It's all finished now, anyway. So yeah, the pageantry is we've over. Wait, we've waited until it was over. Yeah, we've had um, a, a, that level of respect. And, you know, condolences to the family and all that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's sad. She was a very lovely woman, um, I'm sure. I've never met her, but she sounds like she was nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's crack on. Um <clears throat> What a hey, Chris got some. Chris has got some Formula One news for us. <laughs> should we? Should we do some news? Um, unsurprisingly, it's mostly driver news because that's all we have this year is driver news. Um, and the first one, I think, really disappointingly, is that the Colton Herta to Alpha Terry move is off now. Uh, Helmut Marco has confirmed that Red Bull have given up on their efforts essentially because the FIA have refused to budge on the super license system. Um, there's been a lot of drivers from both IndyCar and F1 and team bosses and all sorts speaking out about the sort of general absurdity of it. it, it basically, it looks mm. like the only, the only people who seem to think that what has happened is a good thing is the FIA themselves. Um, for context, uh, Super License requires 40 points from the last three years of competition and Hurt has only got 32. Um, right. And it's, I mean, first of all, I think whatever we feel about the super license, I think we're all in agreement that it would have been a really great thing for him to make the move for a multitude of reasons. I think it would have been great, obviously great for him. I think it would have been great for F1. It would have been great for IndyCar, for the American fan base. Like, it's all positive as if it had have happened, I think. It is, but... Have you seen? I mean, how, how much F one running has um, Colton Herta had? He's been he's done a couple of tests with McLaren driving last year's car. Okay. Um, but Tom, go on. You you were going to say something then? No, I was just going to say it's a bit of a shame that be, because it's not an FIA regulated thing, it's deemed like not worthy of having the points. Like the 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 thing is that. <laughs> The racing that they do is like this. I wouldn't call it circuit racing, but it's road racing over there. But like they do racing that's of an equivalent kind of caliber. I mean, the machinery is different, but the yeah. scenario is the same. And for someone that's had that much experience behind the wheel of a racing car to some degree and, you know, winning his field and so on, to be essentially usurped because they don't deem that's worth enough points as being an 18 19 and 20 year old in a junior formula for three years like you could you could essentially go through a formula regional a formula three and a formula two career and i believe rack up enough points in that time to be eligible for a super license um which like it's a different. There's a different caliber there. I think that. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. When you could compete at the top tier of um, American motorsport, which is what Indy effectively is, I would say. People mm-hmm. might disagree with that, but if 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 your path is Formula One, then you would consider IndyCar to be the top tier. It's certainly the top yeah. tier of open wheel and racing. There. The fact that I'm looking at the points that they dish out. Um, for the different championships now because you've got them in front of me in this document handily which is very helpful <laughs> and I do find it ridiculous that Indy has less points than F2 uh, yeah, they, so... they should at least be the same as F2 surely. well yeah like P- P3 in Indy is 20 points but you get 40 points in F2 for finishing anywhere in the top 3 basically yeah and then 30 for P4 yeah so yeah I mean yeah. For, for context if Indy was given the same super license points as F2, he'd have 68 points. He'd have way more than he needed to. Yeah. Um, and interestingly as well, if you... I know this is a lot of what-ifs, but if you ignore oval races, which is obviously the least transferable skill from Indy to F1, 
66 yeah. points no problem at all um and like i i get the argument that you can't just change the rules because they don't suit you and yeah colton herter you know to his credit he has said he doesn't want to be made an exception to the rule like it was suggested that he could go off and do like I think he could have like gone and done Formula Regional Asia and like a fifth place in that would have given him enough points by the end of the year, which in itself is ridiculous that that That's yeah. just, is that, an option. Yeah. But, you know, he said that just feels like he's taken a spot of another junior driver in that series. Like, it, that just doesn't feel right either. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about... I don't know if I subscribe to that because surely you should be focused on your own career and getting enough points to get you, where you, you want should, to be. Like, like, it's not really your remit to make sure there's a seat for other drivers. No, but like the the flip side of that is it's like from the FIA's point of view, a guy who's what he's got. So it's the last three seasons. So he's got seventh, third, and fifth in IndyCar. So by the FIA standards, seventh, third, and fifth in IndyCar. Oh no, he's not quite good enough. Oh, what's that? You finished fifth in regional Formula Asia as well. Oh, come on in. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. Weird standard, sense. isn't it? Weird and standard. Like, like a lot of IndyCar drivers have had some opinions on this. Um, Quite Graham right, Ra- I probably yeah. say like- so Graham Rahal tweeted F1 is an elitist sport they don't want us remember that they want US companies money they want wealthy US individuals money but they don't care about the rest always has been that way always will be which big opinion <laughs> things, I, I get what he's saying but you can see why he thinks it yeah completely but I think the thing is that look at these points there's no doubt that the super license has been designed to favour FIA's own series. I don't think it's a. I don't think they've built it in an anti-American series way. They've just built it to favour their own way. And I know, like the result of that is the same thing, but there is a a subtle difference there. It's not them mm. just being like, oh no, we don't want these American drivers coming over. Mm. Well, I think that there's an issue with it, isn't there? There because like they call themselves a global yeah. spectacle. They call themselves a global motorsport. And they they say they're the pinnacle of motorsport in the world on Earth in on the planet. So, surely, therefore, you should give like equal credit to. Or, I mean, IndyCar. In, in my own opinion, IndyCar should be worth more points than F two because the people yeah, that you're competing against have gone through the whole Indy Light sort of like pathway up to that there anyway. It's only because Indy is ultimately a rival to F one. Let's not let's mm-hmm. make no mistake about it. Formula One's rival is IndyCar, especially in the American market. Yeah. So they have no interest in pulling. Well, may I don't know. Maybe they're working against their own, working against themselves because surely by pulling drivers over from IndyCar, they're taking some of the audience from IndyCar into Formula One. Well, yeah, it I think strange, this whole it's thing. kind of F one once again shooting itself in the foot a little bit, mm. or it, the FIA. Well, yeah, the FIA. It's it's just like a stubbornness, isn't it? And. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating because I think it would have been great to have him come over. Um, I mean, I'd like to see someone make the transition. Though it's, it comes, it comes back to a conversation that we keep sort of having in bits and pieces of, like we've discussed. You know, is will there be a point where Formula E becomes a viable way to feed into F one, potentially with the way De Freeze has gone as an example, if if things had been right with Herta you would be able to say, could drivers feed from IndyCar into F1 at some point? And, you know, I mean, there's drivers gone the other way that proves that the skills are translatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so it, do, it does irk me a bit that the drivers that could have some good potential if they were over here, it, well, I say over here, we'd go to America as well, but you know what I mean? Like in F1, then we sort of, as as fans, we're the ones that are losing out more than anything. I think, yeah, yeah completely. We're missing out on that. We're missing out on seeing that driver try and make the jump and proving well, whether or not it, they can be successful in another formula of open wheel racing. Back, it all comes back to the fact that there's just not enough seats in Formula One. They need those extra three teams, like we were talking about last week. We need those extra teams so that <clears> we can get more of these interesting characters into Formula One from yeah. other spaces. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to 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 stay on the point, I do think I, I find it kind of crazy that IndyCar is seen as like a lesser formula than F two. Like the cars are more powerful, the 
they have well, a similar power level. I think they are more. I think in Indy yeah. cars around about seven hundred and something horsepower, whereas an F two car is around six hundred and something. So there's yeah, extra hundred horsepower there. The aero is more powerful, um, and it's more competitive racing in um, in yeah. Indy. You know, the field is really really competitive. Different winners all the time, just like in F two. To me, I think IndyCar should be worth more than... I think if you're Indy champion, you should be automatically awarded enough points to race in Formula 1. But they want their F2 series to be the feeder into the sport and not IndyCar. For yeah, exactly. Well, reason. I mean, that, that much is blatantly obvious when the top three positions get the same amount of points as an Indy yeah. champion and more than any other champion in the FIA. Yeah, I mean, you've so, had drivers like, um, like Callum Eilert, for example. He did one two seasons in f2 i think it was and he's now driving an indycar and he's said like they're obviously very different series of different demands but the the the, the level of driving the level of competition at indycar is unquestionably a step above f2 like, just, there's no real question about it and but i mean you know we've we already been in a position in recent years where we've struggled to find a place for the f2 champion on the grid which goes back to what you said, Stu. Like, if you can't find a space for the F2 champion, how are you going to find something for anyone else from anywhere else? It's it's frustrating. And it's like, yeah. whether intentional or not, it shows a real lack of respect for IndyCar, I think. And I don't know if that was necessarily their intention, but that's definitely the way it comes across. And you can see why a lot of people in IndyCar are really annoyed by the whole thing. Yeah. Agreed. It's not doing F one any good. No, um, not a good look. And and even more frustrating for Colton Herter is he only finished um, tenth this season, so he's not going to have enough super license points for next year either. So it's kind of a, it's almost like this would have been his chance if they'd have like put their hands up and said, actually, yeah, these rules don't make sense. Um, mm. Yeah, maybe they'll see sense and change it. Hopefully, year. like because it, uh, it 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 hasn't come up yet because the pathway has always been the in the opposite direction. The pathway's always been, you know, F one to other than F two, it's always been F one to Indy, F one to Formula E, F one to World Endurance Championship, and not the other way. Because let's be honest, like a lot of a lot of drivers who have finished with F one tend to go over to the states to do Indy or or mm. do or do Formula E. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the pathway isn't open for them to go down to F2 because that would just be weird. Um, <clears throat> so, I, in fact, can, can anyone think of an F1 driver that's gone to gone on to drive an F2 team? There must be, must have happened. An F1 driver Unless that's gone to an allowed. F2 team? Yeah, is that allowed? Grosjean. Grosjean did, yeah. Roman Grosjean. Oh, he and did, he got kicked he? out for being, yeah. and he got banned. He went back to F2 and then won it and then came back to F1 after winning it. Yeah, God, that's I don't weird, know if, isn't it? I mean... It is rare. I don't think anyone else has done it, but that's Not that's a fit. Then again, technically speaking, I'm sure I'll get someone on Twitter tell me actually that was GP2, but same difference. Yeah, well, in my yeah. Opinion. yeah, yeah, same yeah. difference. Um, <clears throat> and like another way of framing this as well, because obviously this this current super license system kind kind of came in as a reaction to Verstappen joining F1 at 17, and to a far lesser extent. Lance Stroll sort of jumping a step in the ladder but like Mm. Verstappen wouldn't have qualified under this system Um, Kimi Raikkonen wouldn't have qualified for F1 under this system when he joined Uh, Michael Schumacher actually I think there's a good chance obviously it's a long time ago so it's a different series now but even if you kind of extrapolate I doubt he would have and you know I I get why they felt the need to bring in a system like this I, I think Verstappen is very much the exception when it comes to inexperienced 17 year olds driving yeah. f1 cars <laughs> but looking but at it now it kind of feels it, look it took verstappen a while i think to get yeah the completely correct headspace to be driving a formula one car you only have to look at what brazil whatever year it was when he looked like he was going to win and he had a collision yeah. with was it ocon ocon yeah he was pushing ocon around yeah i mean that's yeah. literally like you don't even see that in karting so that was that was a strange <laughs> i mean we've there's a we talked before that Verstappen only really got that promotion because if Red Bull didn't give him a seat, then he was free to go and talk to Mercedes and McLaren yeah. and Ferrari. But even and so, he probably it, it, you, you just know for sure that like old Joss was threatening them with that as well. Oh, the drive or, we, or we're going elsewhere because they're just so like calculated. It, it, quite you know, again, like 
to their credit, really, like very calculated, and they know what they're doing. They know how to oh yeah, the situation to get what they want. Just look at Abu yeah. Dhabi last year. Anyway, next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stu's fishing again. (laughs) Yeah, so that moves on to what does happen at AlphaTauri. So Red Bull initially said that releasing Gasly was dependent on them getting Herta, but that, unsurprisingly, probably isn't the case. That might have just been them flexing their muscles. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, It looks like Gasly going to Alpine may well still be on. Nick De Vries has confirmed that he's had talks with Helmut Marko about potentially joining Alpha Terry next year. Obviously, Nitri's sort of, we know, was already in the discussion at Williams. Reportedly, Alpine have been talking to him as well. But sources now starting to say Alpha Terry is his most likely destination, which is a bit of a surprising turn of events. Um, it's the Red Bull path, isn't it? It is the so Red Bull yeah. path. Probably a good path for him. Red Bull yeah, are probably I mean, rubbing their hands together at the prospect of having Nick De Vries next to Max Verstappen. You just hope for Nick De Vries' sake that he doesn't end up in... Well, that is a match for Verstappen because if he isn't, he's going to have a couple of years in F1 and he's going to be in the bit. Yeah. yeah. God, I have two Dutch drivers at Red Bull as if the Dutch Grand Prix is not insane enough already. That would oh, be imagine. unbelievable. Like, Imagine if De Vries was better. I'm going to do my classic, my classic thing that I love to do when a team gets a new young driver is imagine if the young driver's better. That would be insane. Just like it was when Leclerc came to Ferrari and was better than Vettel and we all loved it. And then we were all sad because Vettel was sad. But um, there's nothing in this world that I would love more than for Nick De Vries to wipe the floor with Max Verstappen. I, w- I, I will point out... Nick DeVries, the young driver we're talking about, is uh, 27, and Max Verstappen's only 24, which is what? Oh yeah, my god, it's mad, isn't it? Like That's they never, crazy. they never really cross paths in junior series all that much, predominantly because Nick was older and had gone through it before Verstappen yeah. even got to karting, which is yeah bizarre. Uh, so yeah, it's it's looking like that might be DeVries' destination now. Um, which then obviously leaves a space at Williams. So their decision is going to be whether they stick with Latifi for another year or potentially promote Logan Sargent up to F1. Um, we already know he's doing FP1 uh, in Austin this season, which may end up being a bit of a dress rehearsal for him. He needs a top five finish in F2 to qualify for a super license. At the moment, he's third, but there's like six drivers that could potentially overtake yeah, him if he has a ropey close. weekend it's super tight mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean well let's let's grab an inbox question at this point then from McCheco who says Logan Sargent to Williams what can we expect from this young driver and is this a sensible move for Williams given DeVries performs so well and is available I mean I've, I've liked Logan for a little while we've talked about him before on the podcast I think mm-hmm. um, be good to have a driver Flying the US flag on the grid again, like there's there's some definite positives for it. Is not exactly a slouch. He's yeah. he's performed decently in all the series that he's been in up to this point. Um, he's the wrong US driver though, isn't he? <laughs> in a way, yeah. Yeah and no. It's like he was he was the next one that was doing it through the sort of let's call it official the conventional path route. the conventional route. Yeah. Um, he would have always been the next one, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he's sort of done okay in Formula 3. He's performed well this season. Like Chris says, he's sat third at the minute. So he's sort of... I feel like he's just a driver that's kind of grown over the years that he's been around European series, like FIA Bay series. But time will tell, won't it? I think at this point in time, after what we've seen people compared to Latifi... At this point, anything's kind of just a step up in it. Even, even if they don't end up doing any better performance-wise in Latifi, at least somebody else has had a chance that at, at that sl- at that seat at that position. And it's not like it's a risk, is it? Like, with the greatest respect in the world, Latifi's doing nothing in that car, absolutely nothing. So, it's not like taking on a junior driver is going to be a huge risk for them. No, performance-wise, I mean. Maybe the risk of the junior in a budget cap era is that they crash a lot and cost you lots of money, but... Maybe, but, like, 
I suppose that that is a, it's a calculated risk because if if that driver is going to be faster and they're going to be in more battles with other drivers in the midfield, of course they're going to have more accidents. The problem yeah, they've got true. with Latifi is he's he's simply not fast enough to compete with other drivers. So yeah. you're in a situation where you know the car's not going to get damaged. Yes, he brings a chunk of cash to the table, but you're not going to progress as a team because he's not bringing any sort of he's not bringing enough to the table to make the car good enough to win championships you know what I mean no. or, or move them even move them up the order <laughs> to whereas not be last. a driver like yeah whereas a driver like De Vries or Sargent is going to bring in points and probably make up for yeah there might be you know there might be a few incidents you might get a first year you might get a couple of broken wings and broken cars and stuff but you don't. You just. There's no way to turn. They they could come in and be an amazing racer and be have amazing racecraft, be great at overtaking, great at on track awareness, and you know tick all those boxes and get bring in all the points, and then ultimately bring back more cash when the team has yeah finished higher up in the championship than they ever would have got from the money Latifi brings. So and- it's kind of sad that we have to like look at Williams through this lens of like it's 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 the can they afford to be in Formula 1 lens kind yeah, of thing, isn't it? it is. I mean, it's not as much of a problem for them these days, but it's still like... Yeah. I mean, Williams, is, I think, is still a good place for a young driver to kind of cut their teeth and hone their craft. I think the years Russell was there did him a world of good before he got promoted up to the big time. He was there a bit too yeah. long, but I think... Yeah, he was there too long for sure. I still, I think definitely starting there, then moving up was way better than him just being thrown into the deep end. Again, like when it comes to being thrown into the deep end, like Hamilton is the one exception to that. I think I can't think of many other drivers who would have just hit the ground running in a front running team quite like that. Even Verstappen well, maybe, maybe had like Verstappen, a season horror yeah. or so. Yeah, he but, did. I mean, it I didn't take long for Verstappen fine. to change it. I'd, yeah, season and a half was it? Yeah, it was. Season yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, part way into the second season, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was Spain. Actually, it's probably like a third. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I think if he'd been put into a Red Bull off the bat, I don't think he would have been winning his first race at Red Bull. No, maybe he'd but, have ended up getting demoted as well. Who knows? With the, the way they were moving <laughs> drivers at that point in time. Yeah, yeah they were just like all at sea, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it, it kind of reframes this FP one in uh, at Cota for Sergeant. It'll be really interesting. How he does. I'm actually not sure whose car is going to be driving. I was about to say, have they have they mentioned which way around it'll be the switch? I can't remember if they have yet. Um, You'd expect Latifi, wouldn't you? Because well, they have to do both cars. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And DeVries has already done one for them, but I cannot remember. Which they've got it to was. do. They've got to do two s- sessions per car, haven't they? Or is it one session per car? One per car, which kind of brings us nice. Nice well, deal. The next thing he, he he must have been in um he must have been in the other car because he was faster than Latifi, right? Yeah, De Vries was in Albon's as far as I know because yeah, yeah. we were comparing him to Albon. Then Albon was sick, wasn't he? So yeah, that wasn't that no, wasn't a that young was... driver test though. That was just his replacement. Yeah, because he was driving the Aston before that, wasn't he? Yeah, he did the Aston yeah. FP one weekend. Um, but yeah, yeah. we'll see how it gets on. But yeah, the the whole FP one driver thing is kind of coming to focus now because. A lot of teams haven't run any yet, and they're all running out of time quite quickly. Um, yeah. So obviously, the rules this year are that every car has to give up um, its normal driver for a young driver in at least one FP1 session. Um, so I've got a quick list of the teams and who's run who yet, and who might might sit in for them. This looks um, like a anything but a quick list, but go on. <laughs> I'll make it quick. So Mercedes have <laughs> already run De Vries once. Uh, due to be running him again but obviously if he suddenly signs a deal with Red Bull or Alpine that might complicate that I don't know who else Mercedes would run Stoff maybe Stoffel van Dorm he's not a young driver though. he wouldn't He wouldn't count though would he I don't think oh no he yeah, wouldn't count would he he's just he's a reserve race. driver yeah I'm not sure who else they would move up I'm sure um, they've got someone yeah Red Bull already ran uh, Yuri Vips in Spain they won't be running him again for reasons I'm sure we all remember uh, probably Liam Lawson's going to drive for them at some point. Uh, Alpha Terrier due to run Lawson as well. But again, if De Vries ends up signing for them, he might end up driving for a fourth team in one season because <laughs> apparently everybody has to run Nick De Vries at some point. Is these are the rules this year? That should be the new rule. <laughs> yeah, Every not this young driver. Run him once. The Nick De Vries rule. 
I tell you uh, what, that'd be that'd be a good thing for your F two driver if there wasn't a seat. You have to do yeah, tests you have to certain. Yeah, you have to yeah. champion has to do at least one test per team. Oh, I like that. Uh, Ferrari have confirmed that Robert Schwartzman's going to be doing Austin and Abu Dhabi for them, which incredibly is going to be the first time Ferrari have ever run a non-race driver in an FP1 session which is actually a very Ferrari approach if you think about it but, yeah um, yeah yeah I guess see Schwartzman getting some time I think he I think he's been a driver that's got a lot of potential and has sort of been stuck in he's been stuck in that post F2 no F1 seat kind of no man's land for a while hasn't he mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Piastri was due to drive for Alpine which obviously probably won't be happening <laughs> now because <laughs> that relationship is slightly sad. Doubt. <laughs> um, Jack Doohan probably is their next candidate. Yeah. Okay. Again, or if they sign DeVries, who knows at this point? Yeah, I mean, if they sign DeVries, Jack- they'll definitely chuck him in there. Yeah. Yeah, Jack Doohan's the one that's been sort of hanging about the garage recently, hasn't he, since yeah. the whole Piastri thing, so... He's just been given Piastri's old seat, basically. In the <laughs> yeah. Just he's got the T-shirt and he's just got like doing iron <laughs> over the top of Piastri. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite fit him properly. Yeah, it's peeling off on the corners. Um, Aston Martin ran to freeze last race, uh, and then they confirmed they're going to be running uh, Felipe Drogovic in Abu Dhabi, who is the F2 champion and their new junior driver. Um, oh, Alfa Romeo. This is great. So, obviously, the rules are you have to run a young driver, and a young driver counts as someone who, I believe it's they haven't competed in more than two Grand Prix, I think, is the way they define it. Oh, I so, say. So, Alfa Romeo have gone to the FIA and said, well, in Bahrain, Guan Yuzhou had never competed in any Grand Prix, so surely that counts as one of our FP1 sessions. And the FIA went... Mm. Yep, fair enough. It, within the rules, yes, that makes sense. So, yeah, Bahrain counted as one of their young drivers, which is kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Table Chair is going to be in their car in Austin or Mexico. Haas probably going to run Fittipaldi again. He seems to be their go-to guy. Um, although, weirdly, they're running Giovinazzi in Austin again, but he doesn't count as a young driver. So Haas are kind of it's running out of races to do this. It's really weird. Yeah, it's a weird one, that, isn't it? Yeah, for oh, just keep telling them for correlation. Things. Must they be must yeah, have something because they made big changes to that car this well, season as well. So probably end of the season they want to know how close they've actually got to yeah. the simulator and getting it right. I guess that'd be the logic. Am I not right in saying Antonio's been doing um, sim stuff for Ferrari in the time that is in between his yes. Formula E duties? So maybe there's something that they want to kind of hone from that into the Haas on track maybe I don't know if he's maybe done sim work for Haas as well with it essentially being a derivative of a Ferrari to some degree he's also supposedly in the running for a Haas seat next year potentially which I find odd as is Hulkenberg's name's been knocked around for a Haas seat as well yeah Hulkenberg's been floating around hasn't he I mean he's not a Formula 1 season unless you mention Hulkenberg for one or more empty seat (laughs) It's true. So, regardless of if he actually drives in one of them at some point, is a standing or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then finally, to kind of bring us full circle, uh, McLaren obviously will want to get Piastri in the car if they can, but that depends on Alpine releasing him early. And I seriously doubt Alpine will be kind to McLaren <laughs> yeah. after the way that saga's gone down. Um, but interestingly, Colton Herter does qualify for a practice license as does Pato Award and Alex Pillow so there's a half decent chance McLaren will run one of their indie test drivers in an FP1 session which will be cool what's the mileage in practice sessions you've got to do to start earning super license points ooh good question because I feel like that's not been brought up within this whole Colton Herter discussion but you, you you can get super license points you can. From test sessions, practice sessions. Um, hold but I can't on. remember how many miles you've got to do and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's three hundred kilometers over no oh. more than two days. You get you get a point per hundred kilometers up to a maximum of ten. So oh. we'd have to do. 
I lot. think if he did every FP1 for the he rest of the season, like he probably wouldn't <laughs> do enough. Yeah, uh, never mind. So that's not viable. Hence, he's not been brought up in the discussion. Uh, <laughs> it's a viable way to gain points. A point per 100 kilometers is such a just token gesture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, and then speaking of Alex Pillow, um, he's now not a McLaren driver again. McLaren's giant pool of drivers has got ever so slightly smaller. Um, <laughs> he's agreed a deal to stay with uh, Genassi and IndyCar after all of that drama a few months ago. But part of his contract does allow him to carry on F1 testing with McLaren. Um, and literally the day after they announced that, which was like two days after he won at Laguna Seca, he was back in a 2021 McLaren at Barcelona. So he was using <laughs> that new contract immediately. Um, Damn, he must have been and tired then after that. The best news of all of that means it means Felix Rosenquist is now going to stay with McLaren in IndyCar. Um, so they're running three cars next year: uh, Rosenquist, Award, and Alex Rossi, which I'm very happy about because. It kind of sucked how they treated Felix Rosenquist, and I'm glad he's still on the grid. Yeah. Nice. And I think that's all the news. It's basically all driver stuff, because that's all it is this year. It is the year of the silliest of silly seasons. It is such yep. a silly season, isn't it? Um, shall it's... we do some inbox? Yes. Keep me saying now. Stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Okay, so um, I'll take the first one. Uh, we've got one from Pete Sturt uh, and a similar one from Steve Barlow. I'll do both. Um, the first one from Steve, Pete is, please can you have a big vent about Silverstone ticketing? Had no luck trying for two days, all whilst prices were getting refreshed every 90 seconds. I'm gutted, but I'm not sure I'll be sending Silverstone again. Is F1 too popular now? And Stephen <laughs> Barlow says, do you think Silverstone made a bad call with raising the prices while you waited in the queue? I will never be back for any race ever at Silverstone. We had Strong a lot of inbox along these lines. Um, I specifically included Stephen Barlow's because I know he's like, from interacting with him on Facebook, he's always there. Yeah, he's always yeah. at Silverstone. He lives at Silverstone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been, I don't know how much attention you guys have been paying to it, but it's been shocking. I um, did the terrible thing of just burying my head in the sand until it was over because <laughs> I couldn't deal with watching it because I could feel myself getting like frustrated and angry about it and I wasn't yeah. even trying to buy a ticket I was getting like so, angry on behalf of the people that were yeah, so I so just kind I, of pff, it, tell, it, me what, tell me what happened essentially, essentially either the queue didn't work and you couldn't get in the queue when the queue did work, you were waiting a long time. And then when you got to the front of the queue, depending on how long you'd been waiting and how many tickets had been sold, the price of the tickets had basically increased. So, oh, well, they're doing like an airline ticket style. Thing, dynamic pricing is what they what? call it. Yeah, yes. I, I saw someone that wanted two, two tickets to sit at club and it was costing them well over £600 a ticket. I've got my head. And I've never hands. seen club cost that much to, in my lifetime that I can remember. Like, I, a grandstand seat didn't used to cost 600 quid at Silverstone. And you're talking about club corner, like, before they go onto the start finish straight. Like, That's it's the end disgusting. of the lap. It's That's mad. So disgusting. Yeah, Weirdly, so like, Sarah's managed to find the exact same tweet I'm referencing. <laughs> how, how did she do this? Yeah, that is the exact tweet I'm referencing. Someone getting wow. over 1,200 for well, two dynamic seats. dynamic pricing is great for Silverstone. So, yeah. They, oh, An my goodness. This is Another this example is I saw was the National Pit Straight, which is... Is that the running to Cops, is, or is that the... It's the, old, it's the old Pit Straight. So, yeah, yeah. it's between Luffield and Cops. Um... Yeah, so an example pits, here, yeah. tickets, tickets to the National Pit straight, £349. 20 minutes later, with dynamic pricing, the same ticket's £509. It's just it's it's awful like how did that how is that like ethical how do you like you don't it's, know what you're dealing with but you put it in your basket and then the price changes like yeah well, it I, don't literally that, is. I don't know if are these tickets already in the basket and then the price changes the, or i mean the 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 crappy thing about it is people are obviously seeing a price and getting in a queue for that price 
I mean, it's like, I don't know, you know the old days when people used to queue up for like an iPhone or an Xbox or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like getting in the queue at your local electronics shop knowing an iPhone, an Xbox, whatever it is, costs £400. But then when you get to the front of the queue two hours later, they go, sorry, we've now sold over 100 of these. It's £500 for you. Like, it's like what? getting in a queue to see a, a box in a hall. And... Nope. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's bad enough that the the website just failed miserably. Like, why why with big events like this did the ticketing websites decide they need to reinvent the wheel every time? Like, mm-hmm. every time. It's like, oh, we've got Money, a new, new, new queuing system. It always just falls out. <laughs> yeah, the way they've adjusted. It's... Like, whether it's greed from the organisers, whether it's they don't have any choice because of the cost to put on an F1 race, whether it's something else, I don't know. But it's just it's just shocking to, like, see fans being treated with such contempt like this. And the it's worst contempt part of it... Is that word. It is. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. absolute worst part is most of it is already sold out all the general admission stuff is sold out so the people who came up with this will see it as a success and we'll have the same yeah. thing next year and it's 100%. it's horrible and sadly like I said this on Twitter the sad part is it, I didn't even find it that surprising because this is the circuit that knocked down half the pit straight grandstand to build a big fancy hotel and yeah. they are they've sold off some land next to the entry to Maggots and Beckett's which is arguably the best place in the world to watch Formula One cars because they're building like high-end sort of uh, holiday timeshare apartments there. Like, Ugh. there's... there's. Why not it's, keep it's... the grandstand and then just build them behind that? Like, <laughs> what the hell? And just give all the people who've got the apartments tickets to the grandstand yeah. so that everyone else can still enjoy it. Why do that? That's so strange. It's so like... Yeah. It's almost like, you know bite your nose off to spite your face kind of thing it's yeah long term that's such a bad idea yeah like once you've sold those timeshare properties then they're sold right yeah it's timeshare so you're going to make money off of them for as long as you're renting them out but still like surely there's more money to be made from putting selling tickets and putting seat bums on it's, seats in a yeah. grandstand than there is by knocking it down and putting houses there that's the strangest strangest logic and it's obviously they've figured out a way of making money out of it otherwise they won't be doing it yeah but it's just it's just the repu- surely there comes a point where the reputation of the place is damaged so much by these decisions that it becomes damaging to the brand and and makes people that there's got yeah. to they can't be far from the point where people are like boycotting silverstone at this rate i mean they've already been like torn to pieces over this and so there's there's been endless messages of people just saying like I, I guess that's the last time i go unless they change the yeah, system I mean, because unless i can get a ticket through f1 there's no way on earth i'm going to silverstone again uh, based on this no i was just looking now just for some perspective on where it's currently at right the <laughs> This is like just such crappy dev in my opinion. I'm a web developer by trade for people. <laughs> when you go on the ticket website, it initially loads saying three day weekend, Friday to Sunday from two nineteen and then disappears and pops up to four eight nine because that's now the cheapest <laughs> ticket. Two nineteen what two nineteen was the starting price of general admission. It according to this it got as high as three nineteen before selling out. And now the only tickets left, the cheapest one I can find at this 429 price or whatever it was is basically access to the village grandstand on friday practice and saturday and then a general admission ticket for the race so you're paying nearly 500 pounds for a general admission ticket essentially at that point oh and it gets worse oh, some, well. are, some are way over some are pushing 600 for a general admission ticket that's got a little bit of seating during qualifying practice. and I mean, that's practice. What you no, no, no. Anyway, hey. you, you used to get like you, exactly you, that used to be part of a general admission ticket. Yeah, yeah so they've the now on weekend on they've Friday now got rid of that. They've taken the Thursday access, I think, away from the tickets. The general, the standard general admission don't have the roving grandstand access on Friday anymore. But they've invented general admission plus, and if yeah. you pay even more for that, you start getting all these things. It's 
It's horrible. It's really it's like, horrible. It's like a mobile phone company have taken over it and found. Yeah, it it's, really like a, is. it's like an airline. It's like an airline have taken over Silverstone and found ways of like compartmentalizing the yeah. package into different bits that you can add on, like bolt-ons <laughs> to your and uh, it's to your Grand Prix ticket, your event ticket. It's gross. Yeah. It's sick. It's disgusting. And it's horrible because like. I love that place. I've been there so many times for yeah. so many events, yeah. and I just Same. it just holds such a special place in my heart. And I've I have so many great memories there. Just and now I see this, and it's just like, do I, I? I certainly don't see myself wanting to try and go to an F one event there. Like I'll go to not those WEC or British touring cars or something there. But I just I just don't want to engage with that because it's just yeah. it's toxic. Yeah, I mean, horrible. the the exact the example that I've given to people that I've had this discussion with already is, I apologise by the way because the price I quoted you a minute ago was I misread it. It was roving Friday and Saturday grandstands and then a specific seat on Sunday, so they were actually grandstand seats, not general admission. But it's still a ridiculous price for what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like looking at like say to sit in Luffield, which is the nice big horseshoe curve onto the old start finish straight that people will know for coming down the Wellington Strait and it's where mm-hmm. Max and Lewis had a bit of a fight a couple of times. That that big horseshoe. To sit there <laughs> to sit there is six hundred and nine pounds per ticket. It's, that says from. So I'm almost <laughs> sure that when I click on it to buy it, that click price it, is it. Gonna, well, tell me what it'll say. Uh, okay, I'll click buy now. Um if I'm an adult, it stays at six hundred and nine pounds. <laughs> so it's not gone up in any way. But for wow. that price I can get, I know I can get a weekend ticket at most European Grand Prix and flights and probably something towards my accommodation for that £609. I'm almost certain I could get to the likes of Hungara Ring, um, like any of the German ones when we used to go to Germany. Um, until they all see this, well, yeah, until they see this, until they see this tactic. And copy it and make loads more money. Um, uh, what's an IndyCar ticket like? Eighty quid? I imagine so. Like, I don't know. I've never been. <laughs> you could, I don't you know. Could, for, for some of this money, you could literally go to America and watch an IndyCar race and still have and stay in a great Airbnb and I mean, have, have an amazing weekend. Yeah, we we did the race in Budapest and we paid more for a weekend holiday that included a Grand Prix than the price of one of these tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm giving you just a random example off a website I've gone on. 220 euros for what they call the three-corner Red Bull stand all weekend, which is it's basically, you know, the grandstand that tends to be filled with Max uh, Max fans on the exit of the final corner at Hungara Ring, mm-hmm. where you see that you see that block just before yeah, the start finish grandstand yeah, that's yeah. full of orange. So basically to sit in that all weekend is 220 euros, which is going to be like... 200 pounds perspective so i could take three people to that race <laughs> in that stand for the same price as one ticket at luffield in silverstone it's Gross. crazy okay that, we need to we need to do the next question now yeah um, it sucks it makes me sad i'm getting next question i mean this. at least at least we've met met pete stew's uh, pete sturt even's request of please have a big rant about silverstone we we did that <laughs> we've achieved that we delivered <laughs> um in other news eugene risto asks uh, does anyone else see another red bull era of dominance similar to the ones where vettel won four in a row ferrari uh, are way off and mercedes i think will eventually match red bull for pace next year but max hasn't even hit his peak yet lewis best lewis's best is behind him and george isn't on max's level some opinions there. Mm. Um, I think more opinions than questions. I think, but uh, I think <laughs> no, I don't. I don't see it. I think um, I don't know about Ferrari, but I think Mercedes are going to come back at them. I think that they're already showing that yeah. they're able to start coming back at them. So I think Singapore will be an interesting one to see um, where Mercedes are. I think it suits their car, so they should be in a decent position there. Um, Russell on the Russell Max thing, like. Probably not quite at Max's level, maybe, but you know, you don't. We haven't seen him in competitive machinery yet, so that's what I was about to say. Yeah, Russell was absolutely dominant through Formula Three and Formula Two for two seasons in a row. He did everything right, didn't put a foot wrong, and I think mm. he's got that in him in a Formula One car. He just needs to have the car to do it. Um, so, I, and there's 
nothing I would love more to see those than those two go head to head. I think they're the they're the future of the sport. Those yeah. two. I really look forward to seeing them two like fighting with you know cl- much closer machinery for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's it's possible that we'll have dominance. It's it's kind of like we always said with the Mercedes dominance years. Like, ultimately, it comes down to all the other teams doing as good a job. And right now, mm. no one is doing nearly as good a job as Red Bull. So, yeah. that's kind of what it's going to come down to. Yeah, yeah. I'd put a pin in the Russell. The, the The Russell bit is the only bit of that that I would probably say I don't agree with at all. Um, I think is that Russell's not had the opportunity to to oh yeah, I see. perform it's at just, that level. It's impossible um, to say at the moment, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you can't. I, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ne- like, next one. Yeah. Let's do the next one. <laughs> uh, next, uh, Brasco Brettenfeld. Why did hashtag ver take out hashtag Seb five <laughs> and then went on to take out hashtag Kimmy seven at the 2017 Singapore Grand Prix? What I tweeted was a factual description of events. No need to speculate on this. <laughs> what? I, I love mean, so much that this has become like an internet anniversary in F1 now that people just celebrate the most insane tweet Ferrari have ever come up with. Not quite the, the most insane. There was another oh, there was another one recently. Oh, I've genuinely yeah, forgotten yeah, yeah. it now. I remember this. There was another one. Oh, it's going to bug me. If anyone in Discord knows the other crazy tweet I'm talking about and I've blanked on, please do educate me. Um we're not going to see it again this year, at least, because Kim is not on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> and Vettel will be too far back for Verstappen to hit him. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we need rain as well. We need a bit of rain for, uh, yeah. for that whole thing to happen. Can you imagine what will kick off if Verstappen makes any remote contact with a Ferrari <laughs> in Singapore this year? <laughs> Or if you get a wet qualifying and Seb somehow ends up on the front row, be like, no, <laughs> it's happening again. Yeah, and like Raikkonen, yeah. someone catches COVID or something and Raikkonen and Raikkonen steps, steps in. <laughs> <laughs> Scenes. A monkey paw somewhere just curls a finger. <laughs> 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 oh, what, a, what a gross analogy. Um, I'll do the next one. Mustard Face asks, what do you fellas think what do you fellas think of the options for Porsche going forward? Haas, maybe the Andretti team if they're allowed in? I've got a really direct, simple answer is go away and make your own Formula One team so <laughs> buy another one. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is an option for sure. <laughs> I say, like, we sort of talked about it last week, but it's like. They've got the I money. think it's, it sounds like from what Porsche were demanding of Red Bull, it's just not realistic. Like, we want to come in and basically like be given 51% of a team so we get to make all the decisions. But we're coming in, yeah. you know, they, they, yes, they're Porsche, but they're still coming into a sport that they've not competed in for a very long time, if ever, you know, unproven with this technology. And to just come in and be like, right, this is ours now, here we go. And I don't know, I can't see many teams wanting no to agree to that. that. No. No. The dream scenario is Porsche bring their own team, Audi bring their own team, and Andretti bring their own team, and everyone else still exists as a team. Surely that's... I said it last week, that's what the whole point of this was. That's why they've changed Mm -hmm. these regulations, to get more teams in, not for someone to come in and buy an existing team. So for me, I think it'd be a shame if if it happened any other way than that. I want want a 26-car grid. I mean, maybe Porsche would be a way for Andretti to get into the sport. Like, F1 seems to be pushing back on Andretti as Andretti being able to join. Maybe if they came with Porsche backing, that would sort of help get them over the line, possibly. Yeah, I just can't see Andretti wanting to be, like... I think the thing is with that... Yeah, they don't don't want to be, like, just a name plastered on that mm-hmm. to to get it over the line and they probably also won't want to be doing all the work for Porsche to essentially have control and free market ultimately glory yeah. which goes back <laughs> to that. the same red bull problem doesn't it yeah, yeah it goes back to that um so i think the only way it's going to work for porsche is they either 100 percent do their own team like Stu is saying or they have to 
take on board the fact that a team that is going to work solidly on like everything bar the power unit is not going to give up as much control as the, the Porsche one. Yeah. So I mean, it's not it's not like the we've got an idea that the powertrain would be a good one just because of what the one in WEC used to do. I mean, I know it's a different spec, but the the ratios from power to electric were about the same, weren't it? It was just a bigger engine, I think. Mm-hmm. So like they've got a good track record, but it's not worth fifty one percent of my team if I'm a team boss. No. Some description. No. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Not much more to add to that, to be honest. Then I shall read the next one. Uh, Keith Evans says, "Hi Stu, hi Tom, and hi the oh. other one." <gasps> <laughs> Following up from your discussion of new teams last week, under the rules, could a new team run just one car, or must they run two? I suppose I could have just asked Chris this, but I fancied getting a name. Is this check. your dad again? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Um, the other one, that's good. Um, no, you need them. Um, the rules state that you've got to have two cars, don't they? Yeah. yeah. It is a, a team entry, not a car entry. Car Does that entry, make sense? Yeah. That makes I sense. I wonder if, like, there's a way for, like, you know, just to expand on the question a bit, like, they maybe there's a way that Porsche and Audi as VW Group could submit a, a joint entry somehow. Um, and and make themselves into VW Porsche Formula One. Team. Ah, the Volkswagen or, Porsche sorry, entry. Audi, Audi Audi Porsche Formula One team. Yeah, stick, I mean, stick, you know. stick brawn on it. Stick. I'm trying to think of some more German yeah, I mean, companies now, but you're just a, Siemens. You, you are just <laughs> team like, Germany. You are a team. You are a business that that runs race cars. So there's nothing on there's nothing in the rules to say that Audi and Porsche can't team up together and combine their resources to yeah. make a it's super Formula One team. Um, but they'd have to run a half and half livery, like um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was it BAR that did that? Numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, so, the yeah. classic BAR. With a five yeah. five five written down one side of it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah. But you, but yeah, you can't have your own. No, you can't have your own car. You've got to have. Thing. And and plus, like if if they did try and do it that way, they'd be they'd be under all the same restrictions as any one Formula One team. So it's not like they could go away and have like a Porsche factory and an Audi factory, and then both make separate F one cars and run them as one team. They'd ha- still have to have one car designed. By yeah. that team, right? Because they're and under all the same cap. financial restrictions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's. I think that answers that one. Yeah. Uh, right. Last one this week from Jay Alexander, who says, "Hey lads, a bit of a different one for you since we're on a break." Oh no, the F1 multiverse is broken and madness is ensuing everywhere. You can fix it, but you must eliminate one of the universes from the following pairs. Some of <laughs> these were potential moves. Some I've made up. So these are driver moves, some which nearly happened, and we have to pick which one we want to keep and which one goes in the bin, basically. Okay. Um, should we just like cycle through and do do yeah, one ro- each? Roll, roll them all, and then we'll we'll all pick one to delete. All right. Um, first one: Nico Hulkenberg to Mercedes in 2013, or Fernando Alonso to Red Bull in 2009. So which? What do I have to bid one of these? <clears throat> yeah, yeah bin one and keep one. I'm going to keep Fernando to Red Bull and Ben Hulkenberg to Mercedes. Oh, I'm going the other way. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'd have gone the other way as well. Hulkmeister oh. in the Although Merc. Hulk still wouldn't have got a podium. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> uh, all right, next one. Mark Webber to Ferrari in 2013 or Raikkonen to McLaren in 2010? Um, um, that one's a bit uh, inconsequential for me. I would say... Um, Weber to Ferrari, why not? I yeah, Weber to Ferrari, I'd just like to see the spice that that added. Unfortunately, I don't think that would have gained him the world, world title he never got. No. No, but still. Um, all right, Glock <laughs> to Renault in 2010 or Raikkonen to Williams in 2012? Uh, Glock to Renault is the one I'd keep. Yeah, I don't. I think Glock always deserved a bit more of a, a run of things than he got. Then sure. again, he was he was in that Toyota, which was definitely a race winning car for a couple of seasons, and they still failed to win a single race. So, yeah, it's a shame Toyota um, are not in the F one anymore. I'd like to see Toyota in F one. I, I think it went so badly for them. They, um, 
probably never come back. Interestingly, remember how like it's kind of it actually it's kind of a Japanese manufacturer thing, I guess. Like how Honda always seem to leave just before they're successful. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of evidence that when Toyota pulled out of F1, the next year's car they'd already almost finished would have been an absolute monster of a car. They didn't sell the team either, did they? They just disappeared. Just, they just, just went. That team never yeah, carried yeah. on, did it? Nope. Just yeah. left a hole in the grid. Crazy. Um, here's a spicy one. Vettel to Mercedes in 2021 or Hamilton to Ferrari in 2022? <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, that is good. Mm, I would have... Tough. Can you, I mean, those, but you could have both of those. You could have both. But we're not allowed. You you're not allowed. But oh no, because twenty twenty one, twenty two. Okay, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Hamilton to Ferrari. I think Hamilton had done a, would have done a much better job than Leclerc's been doing. That I think I'd pick that just to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how that panned yeah, out. Just to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm gonna good. say Vettel to Merck because I, I because I like Sebastian Vettel. It would be nice seeing winner another race. Um. <laughs> This one's really easy for me. Kubica to Ferrari in 2012 or Button to Ferrari in 2013. Kubica to Ferrari? I think. I mean, that's the one that was on, wasn't it? It is. At one point. I think that's one of the biggest what ifs in like driver move history. Like, just how good could he have been in a front running car? A uh, couple more. Heidfeld to McLaren in 2010 or Jaime mean, to Lotus in 2012. I have no yeah. strong mm. feelings about that. No, no strong feelings. Let's say Heidfeld to McLaren, why not? Yeah, I think Heidfeld was a better driver than his results show. Um, another spicy would, one. Oh, oh just, just a quick one. Would would that not have affected form? had some profound impact on Formula E, do you think, that decision? When you think about the first seasons of Formula Actually, One, yeah. uh, Formula E. That was mostly F1 rejects. Yeah, but that in fact, was no, like actually, that was. Or something, 14, first season of F1. It was four, It was fourteen the first season, so this would have okay, would have still yeah. potentially had a bit of an impact if they'd have stayed around. Yeah, I was just thinking was, that that first okay. mega crash was Aguishwari and Heidfeld, wasn't it? No, oh, yeah, no. it was. It was. was, was, it, was, there was a, it was Prost. It was yeah. Prost and Heidfeld. Yeah, Heidfeld yes. did have a monster crash, didn't he? Yeah. Scary on that. Next one. Uh, uh, Senator Ferrari in 94 or Schumacher to McLaren Oof. in 2000 Whoa. would that have given us a Schumacher and Hakkinen <laughs> when did, when did Hakkinen yeah. go on his sabbatical that was like 2002 yeah I don't know why I said it like that but <laughs> Schumacher and Hakkinen the same team would have been ridiculous this is like pre Stu F1 knowledge here <laughs> this is before this is BS before Stu <laughs> Um, I I wouldn't have liked to have seen Senna drive a Ferrari. I don't think I'm on that vibe, so I'd have to go Schumacher to McLaren in 2000. Yeah, I think that's and then you'd had a, and then Formula yeah. One might have been a bit more interesting in those following years because <laughs> there might have been other people winning races. Whoa, hang on! It was interesting in those following years. The battle between Hakkinen and Schumacher that in 2000. One year, but like, there was a few years where Schumacher just won everything. Yeah, that that's because like... ha- Hakkinen left. <laughs> so it would have just been the same. It would have just been McLaren winning instead of Ferrari. <laughs> You're talking to the world's two biggest Hakkinen fans here, Stu. Yeah, fair. Okay. And, and a McLaren fan. <laughs> um, and then we go to Guido Bantegard in 2015 to Sauber or Kamui Kobayashi to Force India in 2013. Guido. See, I'm saying Kobayashi because I always loved having Kobayashi on the grid. Yeah, I, I like Kobayashi. Well, I, I guess the banter from Guido. I guess if Kobayashi hadn't left when he did, he probably wouldn't have had the Le Mans success he's had. So, yeah, because mm. he is a exceptionally good World Endurance Championship driver. He is. Yeah, he is indeed. Um, and then the final one from what Jay Alexander calls the chaos timeline: <laughs> Maldonado <laughs> to Mercedes in 2016, or Grosjean to Red Bull in 2013. <laughs> My word. Um, I think if Grosjean went to Red Bull in 2013, there wouldn't be a Red Bull team. Is that, that would have cost them so yeah. is, is Grosjean to Red Bull 2013, that's to replace Seb, isn't it? That's to replace Seb going to Ferrari. 
Yeah, I think it would have been. Oh, that's tough. Because the other one's Maldonado replacing Rosberg. Yeah. I mean, if if you did Maldonado to Mercedes, Hamilton would have eight world championships. <laughs> no that's problem. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what happened last season. <laughs> I think Rojan to Red Bull would be just absolute chaos, though. Like, imagine the four. Like, when things go wrong at Mercedes, they tend to be... Although Toto is like can be a bit dramatic they tend to sort of keep things quite internal whereas red bull when things go wrong it's just like an explosion of fireworks factory and grosjean involved in that would have been pure entertainment so i'm going Grosjean. i don't i can't work out if that's a reference to bahrain or not <laughs> i don't know if you're referencing like grosjean's not, incident because <laughs> that combined with the the mentality of red bull would be chaos pure chaos i mean i'd like to see it He's correctly called the chaos timeline for a reason. So yes, Grosjean in a Red Bull for me. Yeah, I think Grosjean in a Red Bull as well. <laughs> Some people just like to watch the world burn. Exactly. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> um, okay, that I think that covers us for this week. So um, join us next week where we'll be making our predictions for the uh, Singapore Grand Prix. Um, Grand Prix you'll be able to catch up with us then we'll have all the insight and all the storylines for you leading into that race um check out backofthegrid.com if you want to check out the predictions league table you can also check there's a link there to grid rival where you can go and check out your grid rival scores and make yourself make yourself some predictions for that um and yeah that basically covers us for this week thanks for all the patrons follow us on the socials and we'll see you next time bye everyone Bye. Boom. Sorry, I, I kind of like...